0: DJ and PK, 97.5 at 12.8 of the zone. Time to talk rivalry game with Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How we doing? We're doing well. So I am curious, your takeaway after the Arizona game Where is BYU better than you thought? Where are they worse than you thought? Where are they exactly who you thought they were?
1: I think everything was uh, pretty consistent across the board, right? I think we all thought that there were going to be some, you know, first-game jitters and experiences that kind of, you know, were good and bad. And um, to say one area is worse than I thought it would be, I think would kind of be a level of disrespect, especially only one game in. But I think – Jaron played how I'd expect in a first game. The receivers played extremely well. I mean, I think across the board, the amount of depth there and, you know, guys kind of coming in and out, right? Uh, Everyone made an impact where they needed to uh, all across the board. And so so that was big. Um, I'd say the defense, you know, played extremely well. You can tell there is a lot of speed and, and they're extremely physical. Um, which is which is huge and, and huge going into a game like this week. So uh, it was a, it was a good game all around.
2: You remember when uh, Aaron Roderick first got to BYU? I was talking to him one day after practice, and he's just talking about the talent level on the offense and one of the guys he singled out i remember this specifically was neil Pau, and he said that neil Pau was as good as any receiver he had had at a utah and uh for whatever reason we haven't seen it to the level that i thought we would see it but we certainly saw it saturday and i believe you were a teammate of his mm-hmm. uh, where do you evaluate his level of talent at
1: yeah i mean neil from the very go. neil's played a lot of football right? Um, He's been around for a minute. And so he is a guy who I think originally, and the reason we haven't seen it is the same reason that you don't see it from a lot of guys early on is is that level of confidence and having someone that gives you 100% kind of that belief, right? Um, If you don't have a supporting cast like coaches who are going to kind of put their faith in you, right? You, you question it. There's the, the confidence barrier, And so early on, there were a lot of things going on, especially with the transition from coaching and things like that. I think Neil knows, and obviously Fess and Aaron have have trusted him for a while. Um, There were obviously other coaches on the staff who, um, I believe, inhibited uh, Neil's ability to truly play at 100% confidence. But now that, you know, the guys in charge, the guys who have taken the reins, have 100% faith in Neil, you're going to see a lot of success come from Neil. And he's truly kind of able to play at the level he's capable of. Neil's one of the most athletic people you'll ever be around. Um, the guy's a phenomenal basketball player. He's an unbelievable football player, right? You saw every facet of the game be played by Neil this weekend, including throwing the ball, right? Yeah. Uh, which is something he prides himself on, <laughs> deservedly so. And so I think... Uh, you know, he's kind of he's kind of kicking the gate wide open, um, and a lot of that has to do with who trusts him and, and where he stands in the offense as kind of the, the leader of the receiver role.
0: I was surprised the tight ends weren't more productive. Do you think there's any explanation for that? Sometimes it's just the way a game goes. There's always the theory that a coach is holding something back for game two, especially when it's a rivalry game. Maybe it's something else.
1: Yeah, uh, to be honest, I... I, I we were having that same conversation in the house this weekend. And, um, you know, between Isaac and, and Dallin Holker, you have two, and I think I talked about this last week, right? You have two tight ends that are equipped to be extremely good Division One receivers, right, to play just receiver, but they're also extremely physical. And I think, you know, um, to say, you know, maybe not showing all of the cards, and maybe just ensuring that hey, let's get these guys in the trenches. Let's get them physical. I don't think Isaac has had the load in regards to being in the box and, and blocking um, experience that uh, you know he didn't get much of that last year, right? And so you know I think maybe just getting everybody warm um, was was probably a priority, and then not having to show. As many cards and, and the way that they're going to use them and the ability that they have to use them in the Utah game was was a big part of it. But to be honest with you, probably my worst take uh, over the last year since we've been doing this is you know knowing you know giving you a good enough answer on on why the tight ends weren't utilized. Um, but those are those are kind of my guesses.
2: So Dylan, I find what you just said uh, in the prior uh, response fascinating in terms of regard and with regard to Neil Powell as far as his ability, plus you need coaches to believe in you. And uh, that opens up the possibility of guys having talent, but coaches not believing in them for whatever reason. Uh, What would be reasons to believe or not to believe in players?
1: Yeah, I, I think a big part of that is the way in which coaches express their trust in players. Um, is very different, right? That was something, to be honest with you, that I struggled with in a lot of different areas. There was a lot of questions of of insecurity in terms of who was confident in me and who wasn't um, for a long time, right? I think if you look at my career at Hawaii, uh, my freshman year, you know, there was questions of kind of confidence, um, you know, and, and obviously coming off my mission and was I doing what I was expected to be doing and so there was some inconsistent play, right, especially towards the last half of the season once Coach Chow uh, was let go. And then my sophomore year, um, we brought in Kafenza Hinson, who's I've, who I've talked about multiple times on here, uh, who's now the receivers coach at Oregon State. And building that trust was huge for me, and he put a lot of confidence into me all the way up until I left it to go to, to come back to BYU. And you saw it in my play throughout my sophomore and junior year, and the way I kind of accelerated and grew. So. Um, with, you know, those types of kind of positive reinforcements and each player is different in the way that they want to be coached, right? I am a perfectionist. Neil is a guy who, you know, is a perfectionist when it comes to playing the receiver position and being the best on the team. And so, you know, Neil's the type of guy that needs that, that uh, affirmation um, in, in the same way that many, many receivers do. And if you're not getting that, Or the guy in charge, apparently, right? And the guy in charge apparently isn't giving that. Uh, It's very hard to feel your worth as a receiver um, because you rely on so much. I mean, it's not just like a quarterback or a running back where it's, hey, I don't need to worry about the center to quarterback exchange. I don't need to worry about just getting the ball handed to me. There's so many other facets of playing receiver where you could be the best guy on the team and only getting in a target or two a game, right? Because you rely on so many other facets. And so the least people can do, if you have a phenomenal football player, if you have an extremely good receiver, the ability to really show them on a regular basis, Hey, you're playing great. You're doing phenomenal. I know we didn't get the ball to you. Right. But I need you to know that we do trust you. Um, and so that's a, that's an entire conversation that I think wasn't taking place prior. Um, and now, with the guys holding on to the keys, they're doing a, a phenomenal job of that.
0: How much of that comes down to there's someone else that they just trust more, and with everything going on, that's where the attention goes, and a quarterback has a relationship with a guy and trusts a guy. And how much of it is the quarterback oh. as opposed to the coach? Well,
1: oh, one no, this is, that is 100%. And that's why the key part of that is, you know, these are a lot of the things that take place with a best player right? Um, You know, or a top three guy in the receiver room. Like those top three guys in the receiver room need to know that they are appreciated. Um, And yeah, a lot of that can do with the receiver or the receiver quarterback. But once again, if you're an extremely good receiver, you know that the quarterback is your best friend. And so there shouldn't be any issues with you and the quarterback. Like that that is prime relationship 101. There's only two guys you focus on on a daily basis to make sure that they've got all the snacks, treats, <laughs> right? Errands run, and that is that is your quarterback and the equipment manager, right? As long as those two guys are taken care of, you're going to be pretty happy.
2: <laughs> so that relationship between quarterback and receiver obviously is very important as you're referring it to. Romney goes down, the Nakua brothers didn't play. Uh, Kalani comes out and says Monday that he, oh, I've actually, I actually think he said it Saturday night down in Vegas, I was there, that, uh, that he expects them to play, but in a sense because we've already seen the Hall to Pau connection. You think that Neil has a leg up now in establishing the trust of Jaron Hall.
1: And that is really with the timing which Neil's been there, right? Neil's been on part of the team longer than Jaron has. And so, you know, you're always going to have that anchor. That's what makes transferring so difficult. No matter who you are, no matter what relationships you had, I mean, you talk about transferring into a situation that you thought that i thought right uh was going to be just absolutely you know mixing butter uh you know a lot of those things don't happen because there's other uh, other aspects and you know um and so you know to say that uh neil neil has the upper hand no matter what in that situation
0: so scout the Utes. You probably saw some or all of the Weber State game. What is the biggest problem they present to the Cougars?
1: Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah now can. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. That was weird. Uh, sorry. So you said you asked about the the Utes.
0: Yeah, scout them. What is the biggest problem they present to the Cougars?
1: Their defense. It will always be the defense. Um, I think athletically, on the outside, BYU meets them um, strongly. I think that there isn't a gap there. I think that over the top BYU size, when you look at the receivers, um, and hopefully Samson and, you know, Puka and Neil can all go out there and be a part of it uh, on a more active basis. And I think they measure up very very strongly if not better than the the utah defensive backs um but when we talk about the defensive line and that box with those linebackers um you know i think for 10 years (laughs) there's been very few teams especially in the pac-12 that do it better and so it is going to be a uh it's going to be a tough one you know for that offense to be able to get everything together and make sure they're playing at their top their top level i mean this isn't a this is you're playing this game at 98 percent. you cannot be that two percent you know you can have you're going to have mistakes things aren't going to be perfect but this is a game where you need to be as close to perfect as possible
2: yeah i think that was one thing that the coaches were extremely com- pleased with the jaron hall is there were zero turnovers so you think now that uh, he showed that he can take care of the ball, he made good decisions there, and I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't think there was anything close that was a possible interception that went off a of hand or whatnot. It looked like uh, either it was to his guy or it was on the turf. Uh, with that in mind, how much more aggressive do you think that BYU's offensive philosophy will be, knowing that there's a level of trust that Jaron can take care of the ball?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's you're going to see a lot of it. And that's the big, you know, Jaron isn't uh, scared. Jaron isn't afraid. I don't think A-Rod is scared or afraid. I think what you have is a very, very thought-provoking quarterback, right, who is going to do his best to make the right decision. Um, and when you have that and you know You know, the first, the the biggest part of trust when it comes to selecting a quarterback is are you going to put us in positions to win or are you going to put us in positions to lose with your choices? Um, Not your talent, not your ability, right? But when you have choices, what are you going to do with those? And Jaron will always be a guy who puts you in the best position to win with his decisions. Um, He's cool-minded, right? He's extremely athletic. You can trust his legs just like you saw on Saturday. And so I think they can really they can really open it up. Um, you know, they can they can really open up the entire offensive playbook. I mean the rest of the season, do you really have anything that you are kind of right or dying on? Right? Yes, you have a ton of big games and you have a ton of big opportunities to go in and to win power five conference games and show that you deserve to be in a power five conference but this game is this game's it right and so yeah i'm i'm willing to say hey let's go in here at 110 percent and uh make sure we can get this one under our under you know under our belt and we'll go in knowing that we can compete with anybody the rest of the season
0: so does this does the streak end here
1: I believe so. I think it's going to be an extremely tough game, and it's going to come down. It's going to be, chances are, a a last-second hoorah, but um, I firmly believe that that this streak ends here.
2: All right. That's what I want to hear, brother. (laughs) Now, there's a
1: lot of prayer and a lot of faith going into that and potentially some fasting, but I firmly believe
0: that.
2: Well, what's interesting now is you're an alum You're not that far removed, but you are an alum of BYU. And obviously the Kali family, you know, it's we're kind of sort of right there with Kafusi's in terms of uh, the connection mm-hmm. to BYU that runs very, very deep going back many, many years. And so as an alum now, from a different perspective, how much does this streak bother you?
1: Oh, it's bothered me since day one. Right. Um, I am not a... Uh like, I'm, I'm a big BYU fan, right? I, I have been for a very long time. Um, you know, there are, uh, there are very, very few, you know, I'm not like a diehard of anybody or anything, um, but and I try not to let sports get a, a huge portion of my thought process and feelings and emotions now. Um, this will always be something that bothers me uh, until it's broken. And once it's broken, then I will be able to rest easy. And whatever happens after that, if Utah goes on another five-year streak, if they go on another you know, eight-year streak, it's one thing. But we need to break this one because I think this is where this is a wall that's been standing in front of BYU for a very long time. And I think it's more critical than, than people think, uh, especially for the mental confidence of a football team and a program and and where the future lies. um, This is, it's a big one. And I think if BYU wins this game, right, you'll start to see that respect put back on BYU's name when it comes to the Utah-BYU rival, because the the nonsense of, you know, who's Utah's rival, um, (laughs) uh, you know, and, and trying to think of all the, oh, Colorado and USC and, you know, that's that's all wrong, and that's all fake. And I think when it comes down to it, everybody knows BYU is, is Utah's biggest rival, and vice versa. And the only way to really crush all of that narrative is, is to end the streak this weekend.
0: Dylan, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week and uh, listen to the station for the next day or two, and you'll hear yourself over and over because uh, we've been notified you've already made the promo for today, regardless of whatever else happens in the show. <laughs> Done. That's my goal
1: every
0: week. <laughs> Make the promo. All right, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, Dylan. All right, yep. Have a good day. Dylan Coley, former BYU wide receiver. The Collies. You love them, PK. Well, everybody does, but yeah, I do, especially. We've always spoken their mind. I appreciate
2: that. Absolutely appreciate it, 100%. 100%, man. And then when you combine uh, uh, the the high-level talent with a guy who's willing to speak his mind like Austin, you got yourself a media dream right there. Uh And Dylan, he's right there. I I think he sounds like Austin. And, you know, he wasn't 6'2 like his brother was, but I thought he had obviously had some talent. He showed it in the bowl game there. But I appreciate his ability to speak his heart and do it in a manner that is, uh, has authority behind it and is representative of what he believes in whether you disagree with him or not, that's up to you but the way he says it, he says it in such a concise manner that you have to respect it
0: Time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic and Andrew, Cambridge University recently conducted a study on the uh, treatments that you're providing you want to share the details of that with folks?
3: Yes, this is uh, one of 50 studies done on our technology, uh, testing it on men with erectile dysfunction. The Cambridge study, I think, is interesting because they took a group of men that uh, were no longer even responding to pills. So I'm kind of assuming severe ED, maybe a lot of health conditions. And every guy they tested got some kind of increase in blood flow, no side effects. This is really cool stuff. This technology repairs blood vessels. It treats erectile dysfunction at its core. And it's helping a lot of guys out there turn back the clock in the bedroom.
0: Why do you guys want to stop taking the pill? I think mostly because of the side effects.
3: They have to take more and more of it as time goes on. Uh, and the lack of spontaneity is a big one. Uh, couples don't want to plan intimate moments or schedule them. Uh, That's what you have to do with the pill. Our treatments allow for on-demand function. So when the timing is right in the bedroom, the blood flows where you want it, when you want it.
0: And you got a special offer for folks who call you today.
3: We do. And this is a lot of value. We believe in it. Uh, If you're struggling with ED, if you want to get the relationship back on track, call us in the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctors free. Uh, the gift that produces powerful results in the bedroom, that's worth the trip. And if you feel like you've got a need for testosterone, uh, we do the blood work and provide the testosterone to our patients totally free as well.
0: Guys, you can put a stop to your D by calling 801-901-8000 and get that free offer right now. Call Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Andrew standing by at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at LaBelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Oh, it's
2: an old John McKay quote. I was kidding. It was tongue in cheek. It wasn't funny. it's, a, it's an old it's an old John McKay quote that he used after the game. Um, so I was I was talking and, and, you know, making a joke about it, why it was taken serious. Are you people crazy? It's a John McKay quote that he used after a game. I was stealing one of his old quotes and being funny. I guess nobody likes to be funny anymore. So, yeah, if you want to take me to town on that, please do.
0: (laughs) That's another name, Coach Brian Kelly. He started out so happy about it. Then just got. More There's 20 more seconds angry. of our life we can't get well, back. Well, I,
2: I think his approach should have been, it was a John McKay line, I thought it worked, it didn't. See, once you admit you you were wrong, I don't want to say screwed up because it's too strong. In this case, they weren't funny. Yeah. Then, right? Okay, you tried. It didn't work. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, What's
0: yeah. more annoying, that he thought that was going to be funny or that nobody knows it's a John McKay line and they're making a big deal out of it? It's a tough call, isn't it? Both those things are true. It is a John McKay line. It's a famous line. Look it up. He didn't come up with it. It fell flat. Whatever, move on. Okay, so
2: that's it. It fell flat. I thought it would be funny. Turns out it wasn't. And then everybody's gonna say. Basically, you're you're apologizing, and we're all human beings.
0: And if that's the greatest mistake you make this season, wow. I know it's not that big a deal. It wasn't funny. It was awkward. It was awkward. Still I was that watching it and I thought, that didn't work. I mean, immediately. <laughs> also, I don't know if you were watching it at the time. I wasn't watching what I was. happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, that didn't work. But you also knew that John McKay hit uttered that line, and it's been written and repeated hundreds of times since he said it. And I mean, he said it 45 years ago. His team lost 20, 26 games in the NFL as an expansion team before they won their first one. They were terrible. Yeah, back
2: when you couldn't just get free agents and left and yeah, right. Yeah, you couldn't turn
0: things around. And he was coming from USC, where he had won a lot. And he was struggling oh, he was with a 26 legend. straight losses. Oh, yeah, big time. National titles, Heisman Trophy winners. His USC teams were he very good. He was the good. Frank Kush of California. <laughs> Frank Cush was the John McKay of Arizona. we've talked a lot of rivalry game and USC under McKay famously lost a game to Notre Dame and he said we'll never lose those guys again and they didn't lose until McKay was gone is that going to happen with Kyle? right yeah under your theory that Kyle is, I mean, it's year seventeen, so it's also obvious math. But he's he's much closer to the end than he is the beginning. But since they're not playing the next couple of years, even if Kyle coaches another five or six years, he's not going to play him that Ooh, many more yeah, times. See, you know. And if he only plays, if he only coaches three or four more years, this could be his last or next to last rivalry game. If I had to guess, I would say
2: he would be the coach in twenty twenty four. Yeah. I mean, I can't guarantee that. He'll announce nobody, it on his own
0: time. Nobody guarantees anything, and he has the right to change his mind and But I think whatever.
2: that he will be coaching that year. Uh, that sets up, uh, it's hard to say what the conditions of the program are going to be, because BYU now is a, about to undergo a major change.
0: You'd think, right? Yeah. You would think that this would, and I know the people out there who will say, well, they get into the Big 12 and that's great, but BYU's, core group is still who they are. Maybe they lose fewer of the top LDS players, and transfers are such... Man, if we didn't learn that this past weekend, we got to knock it through our thick skulls here. Transfers are a big part of the deal, and we've seen it with BYU basketball. You can get players to come in for one year. player might not come in as a freshman, might be more than willing to come in as a senior. Oh, particularly at BYU and particularly a non-LDS kid.
2: Right. Because you can explain to them, you're, you're coming here, and you're going to play Oklahoma State, you're going to play Kansas, you're going to play Texas yep. Tech, you're going to play Baylor, and you're going to have 20,000 people here. Because for the next, whenever it happens, because I don't know, I, I, it's probably going to take two years for them to be a full-fledged playing the conference uh, the schedule maybe sooner, maybe next year, but probably I, I would guess two, but I don't know that. I'm just guessing. No one's told me that. Uh, the point I'm making is the Marriott Center on conference home games is going to be electric.
0: It already is pretty good. It's going to be even better. right? But everything we've seen with the basketball program, we're going to see with football now. Don't you think? As far as tra- the ability to get transfers to come in? Yeah, 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 is, yeah. It's
2: going to open it up. You're going to go. Right. It's the Big Twelve. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get in there. Yeah, yeah. And this is great for BYU, and it was great for Utah too. Kyle told you a thousand times. We gotten in the doors we never got into before. We get Jalen Johnson to choose Utah over Oklahoma and SC. The the results are obvious. They had nine guys drafted the one year, and then all the defensive team they used to struggle at linebacker. Now they got pros at linebacker left and right. Yes. So it's obvious, man. You see it. Sometimes you can't see your kid grow. Uh, your cousin from Oshkosh Ken, when he comes into town and sees him. Hey, your kid, he went from 5'10 to 6'4 in a heartbeat. You probably didn't see it. But the rest of us, whenever we, I didn't see him that much, but when I saw him, wow, this kid's really tall. Yeah. So it's hard to notice. And we're in the middle of it. But step back. The same thing is going to happen to BYU. They're going to get players that they didn't get before. And they're still going to rely on their recruiting base for sure. And I, and I think that they're going to be able to – the transfer portal just set up for BYU because you get – there's a massive difference between a freshman and a junior and senior. And that junior and senior is going to come in, okay, they've got some quirky rules here, but I'm not going to be here forever. And I can tell you some stuff that uh, they're told when they go home for the summer, just – we'll leave it at that, but uh, then come back and, and be ready to go, and they know how to negotiate it. It's, they're not that outrageous uh, of the rules, and so uh, well, they, they've they got the internet. They're not Amish. hey oh, <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> it was Uriah Lea. Tower oh, yeah, week. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so dope, man. It's dope. He loves dope. <laughs> internet is dope. <laughs> So they've got that. So, does, yeah, I'm
0: excited for them. So, does BYU break through now? We spoke with Frank Dolce earlier this morning, Dylan Colley earlier this morning. Dylan stuck with the alma mater and said, The streak ends here. Was there enough conviction? Did you believe it? Did you believe that he believed it? I believe did he believed it. say it because it. he had to say it.
2: No, I, certainly, I, I believe he had to say it, sure. I think he wants it, no question. He played there. Everybody in his family. No, he said he's a fan. I think his yeah. mother played BYU football for all I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they, it seem like they all did. But. <laughs> That'd be a story. I think we'd know if that had happened. Uh, so, but I think he believes it, yeah. Uh, I, I think that they're in the best position to win since uh, Hill's senior year, Taysom Hill, and
0: they didn't play last year.
2: I mean, they it, probably would have
0: been, been in a great position to win last year yeah I don't know if they would have
2: won, but they, given the fact that Utah needed a second to reload, and they have uh you know maybe they could have gotten, but it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter anyway.
0: All right, we've talked a lot about that this morning. Kyle Whittingham went through another press conference on Monday, avoiding the letters b y and u, even though they are playing said school, and that led to the question in the morning. <laughs> Why does uh, why does Kyle do that while well, Kalani says he roots for Utah, unless they're playing BYU? Well, one's a nice guy. <laughs> Is this just leftover from Kyle and Bronco got on each other's nerves big time? And Kyle didn't like Bronco and BYU because of it. But once he staked out the ground on BYU, he wasn't going back on it just because the coaches changed, because then... It would be obvious uh, about Bronco, and he doesn't want questions about that. So just stick with the whole BYU rivalry. I,
2: I think there's more to it. I think that they heard a lot of crap. The family heard a lot of crap, and it bugged them. His family, they still have Provo roots. Mm-hmm.
0: Provo real estate, in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: His brother's daughter was the basketball secretary. Worked in a basketball office anyway. When you walk in, she was there. Mm-hmm. I haven't been down there in over a year. I don't know if she still was. I, lo- I walked in. I said, I know who you are. <laughs> How do you know? Because I see you after the games in the interview room. <laughs> so I didn't know your name, but I knew your last name. And I knew who your dad was. Because I saw you. They sat over there to the left of us. Yeah. So... Uh, So we had a little conversation. Yeah. So and and it's a small community. And I think they heard some stuff that ruffled their feathers in the way that Max Hall heard some stuff. So you get personal stuff in there and you take it to heart and you end up hating that blah, blah, blah. And you build it up. Yada, yada. I mean, on your deathbed, it ain't going to matter. But for now, I think it's legitimate and it's real. And it's it's important for Utah to win this game because they're already getting beat. The fact is, both schools are getting beat on top tier talent in this state. Can't argue that. So you you don't want to get beat to them, then you're you're getting beat by all these other schools, and you're getting beat to the,
0: by them. Oregon's coming in. Oregon's coming in and getting who they want. Stanford's coming in and getting pretty good well, SC's players. Well, now starting to make at a run. At different times, USC and UCLA have gotten players, right? USC just came in and got a high-level quarterback.
2: For sure. He won the backup gig. As of right now, and it could change, obviously, but as of right now, he's the leading candidate to start next year, provided Slovis goes to the NFL. It's still a long way to go. And I'm figuring if you could start a quarterback at SC, you will probably start at BYU or Utah. And then it comes down to, well, okay, you didn't get him, but who do you got? And if you got somebody who's really good, what difference does it make? So it's not like it's an insurmountable task you can't overcome.
0: But nonetheless, you don't want guys, guys in leaving backyard. your backyard to go to a school where you got to try and beat them, and it's going to be difficult. Well,
2: yeah, absolutely. There's no, no, uh, no doubt about it. And now Corner Canyon is starting to just be a big, bit. not starting, they're already there, a big-time power. Right. How many guys are you getting from there?
0: One? Yeah. Utah got Fillinger. After Texas changed their coordinator. Woo! Close call there. It
2: was, exactly, yeah. But, you got him. And they've got this stud receiver now, who I have been told, I haven't spoken to the kid, but I've been told he's
0: a heavy Stanford lean. Not the first time you've lost a receiver from Salt Lake County to Stanford. No. Stop it! I don't blame those kids, not at all. Not Stanford b- golden ticket, Willie. Wonka time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you're BYU in Utah, you got to find a way to keep some of this talent at home because you right. need, right? Particularly if they're LDS, and I
2: assume the kid is because his brother's on a mission. I haven't spoke to him at all about his, you know, whatever his beliefs are. I don't know, but I'm assuming. That the 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 other the older boy who was the quarterback there a couple of years ago is is uh, he's serving a missionaries you know he's going to an Ivy League school. He? He's going I to Yale, like a nine point four GPA or something. Yep, he's going to be going to Yale.
0: Yeah. Why not nine point five? Come on now.
2: Uh, I don't. Because then he'd be at Harvard. Yeah. I don't uh know. <laughs> yeah. He's going to Yale to play football. That's a win. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Maybe he'll be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: Ooh, you never know.
2: Yeah. Then where did, where did Fitzpatrick go? Did he go to Yale or Harvard? I think he went to Yale. He's, you know, he's Harvard. Oh, he's Harvard. I yeah. thought he was a Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Harvard. He's a, a, a Phoenix kid. I know that.
0: Yay! <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. That's a lot of what we have been talking about this morning. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hell yeah, we've been Power 5 before Utah. Coast to coast. <laughs> That's in reaction to the question of the day. How can you argue with Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy, who says coast-to-coast people view BYU as a Power 5 team? Keyword: view. No. Not, not the same as being a fire, Power 5 Key team. Key word, coast-to-coast. <laughs> That's a phrase, not a word. Well, it's got hyphens, so it's close enough. Cronkite spinning in his grave. Come on, you learn, You learned oh. better at Con-Cri- Arizona State. Conkrite
2: has got a smile on his face, coast-to-coast,
0: ear-to-ear. He's thinking, PK, thank you. People view BYU as a Power 5 team. But you can't have the money. You can't have the status you can't have the respect, and you can't have the access to the playoffs. Okay, system. yeah, but Oklahoma and
2: Texas, they didn't even view themselves as the maximum, so they took off. So you've got the upper level. There's discrimination between. Why wouldn't Oklahoma certainly be viewed as the highest and be getting maximum dollars? They weren't, so they went to, to the SEC to get the, even more cash.
0: Yes, so, they come did. Come on.
2: It reminds Utah, me.
0: Utah and BYU get across the line after Texas decides whatever they're going to do with their fate. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It is. And we're biased because we're sitting here, but we thought 20 years ago Utah and BYU should be across the line. Certainly 15 years ago. Maybe know, not 20 I, for the Utes, okay. but 15 for the Utes. And 15 years ago, they already had the Fiesta Bowl and back-to-back conference titles, and we're beating teams, so... BYU's got everything, or excuse me, Utah's got everything it
2: needs. It's got a beautiful stadium. Beautiful, If they could ever play a day game there in October. You can see. I don't know. If, Boy, uh, it was the
0: last time they played a day game in October? Is that that Washington game? Maybe that was a day game. It's been a, it's been a while.
2: Uh, I can remember they played Arizona State in October mm-hmm. a few years back, and we're walking up the ramp, and I'm walking up with Liz Abel, the old uh, longtime sports information Associate leg director and she looked at me and it was it was about uh, four four o'clock-ish and she said man I just forgot how beautiful this place is I said I agree 100% yeah this is just an absolutely gorgeous environment it's you know by October we got the smoke to crap out of here and we Mm -hmm. didn't have it then and it was a day game And it was. It's just absolutely spectacular. You sit up there in the press box. You look at the mountains to the right. You turn around. You see the lake back there. It's just tremendous. Everything that they need to be successful at the highest level they've got. It's exciting to be a Ute football fan these days. You've got a great program. You've got everything. If I were Ute, I would just be bursting with pride.
0: Got a lot of feedback on Mike, Mike Gundy saying people view BYU as a Power 5 team. Coast to coast? That's what he said. Jacob says if Kansas and Arizona are considered P5 teams, why not BYU? Because they're in P5 leagues and BYU is not. It doesn't Although, matter. It does matter. It does not it matter. It matters a it lot. Go,
2: go tell Sataki it matters. It doesn't matter at all.
0: It does matter. No, it doesn't. A hundred percent, it matters. No, it does not. And when they get in the Big Twelve, assuming that happens, and we think it's going to, but it's not done until it's done. But assuming that happens, we're going to hear how they got a boost from recruiting.
2: I think that's regionally. I don't necessarily think it's Power Five, but I'm not willing to say hundred percent. So I'm I'm agreeing with you to a good extent, but I also think it's regional because we don't know if they're going to be viewed as Power Five. But who cares? Well, I shouldn't say. That's nuts wrong. We do care, but it's still the right move even if somebody
0: decertifies them. That's true. And screw you, whoever decertifies them. And I agree with all of that. But the difference between what Mike Gundy said, and he was very on point when he said it, even though it's a point that we don't necessarily want to hear, it's true. Viewing people view BYU as a Power Five— it's not the same thing as being Power 5. Getting across that line matters a lot. And the fact that they were viewed that way and that they weren't in, so frustrating. The thing that just drives people nuts about college football. It can be so elitist and arbitrary. You're in and you're not. Yeah, but even if you're in, you're
2: still not in. There's only really a few programs who are in, and you're not at that level.
0: Utah's not at that level. Agreed. But it's a big step up to get across the line that we think BYU is about to get across, that Utah did get across. It made a big difference to Utah. It, it has to be made a seen big difference. Because
2: I think that BYU is making a less of a jump than, B- than Utah made.
0: Well, that could be true. And it may go back to your point about whether this conference is decertified. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think people are going to talk like it's going to happen. But I think that eventually we're going to end up with that 12-team playoff. And with six conference—I think that the six six top—six highest-ranked conference champs get in. If if there's that kind of rule in there, then that opens it up to a lot of people.
2: And if BYU goes 40 years without getting in, what the crap
0: difference does it make? (laughs) Well, that'll be somebody else's issue, because 40 years from now, you you and I aren't going to be caring. All right, DJ and PK. There you go. Dylan Colley will be the promo. He says BYU's going to do it. Right now, time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys have been struggling with ED. And Andrew, you've been on before to tell them we can help you with this issue, but guys are still hesitant.
3: Yeah, they generally are a little bit hesitant. Maybe they're in denial, too. That's some of it. Uh, As a man, we want to be able to function like we should. There are a lot of guys lacking, though, that are taking the pill or maybe have just accepted this as the new normal. And you don't have to live with ED. You don't have to take the pills. The technology at Wasatch Medical, backed by 50 studies, it's been called the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction with pulsating pressure waves it opens up and regrows the blood vessels more blood flow where you want it when you want it and it has been so fun to watch patients get off the pill improve their relationship with the significant other and uh, overall happiness in my opinion as well
0: as always you got a special offer for the listeners what are you offering up today
3: Yep. Call us now, guys. If you're struggling with ED and want to treat the root cause, you'll meet with our doctor free. He'll do an assessment and blood flow ultrasound. Uh, You can leave your wallet at home. There's no cost. Lastly, you get that gift, very popular, that produces powerful results in the bedroom. It's all totally free.
0: Guys, if you want to put a stop to your ED, call Wasatch Medical right now at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Andrew's standing by at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys.